welcome to another episode of Capsule Production Podcast. Today, I will be your host, Joven Lazo, and I'm here with our, our legendary guest, the one, the man that seems to be on every season, and there's a very good reason why, because not only do we love him here, but also the people love him, and they like to hear his opinion on things. So welcome back, Dr. Jeff Campta. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. Good to be here, bro. So um, how's everything with you? Uh, I know uh, right now, it's, uh, it's December right now for everybody that's listening, and um, I know you just kind of went through the PGY2 process, applying for that. How's everything um, going with that with you right now, and also with COVID going on? with work good yeah it's a uh it's a strange year to be uh be do, to be doing any of that applications or just to be practicing right now um i feel like practice wise we're in that second wave that everyone was talking about i feel like a lot of uh people in the institutions or retail and everywhere are feeling that right now mm-hmm. um just the brunt of of you know services that we got to provide right now uh, and in terms of PGY2 applications, yeah, the landscape is totally different because everything's online. Mm. Uh, so you you don't get a lot of that face-to-face interaction that you depend on when you're interviewing for anything. Yeah. So it's a very unique time to <laughs> to be doing anything professional-wise. But, uh, you know, you, you make do best you can. Yeah. Yeah, you make do and you also persevere. And one thing that you did that I think is super awesome, which congratulations, round of applause, is uh, getting BC, BCPS certified, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. It just came out a few weeks ago. Congratulations on that, man. I'm super proud of you. Thank you. And um, all right. So for today's episode, we're going to focus on some of the University of Florida College of Pharmacy trips that we have. So there is one that you can have during spring break, which is called the IHOP trip, which is stands for the International... Hold on. International Health Outreach Trips. And then the one over summer, which is basically a study abroad program, which you could do for about two weeks, I believe. So Dr. Jeff Campton was able to experience both of those trips. So he's going to kind of briefly touch upon both of those trips and kind of the differences between the two. And if you're short on money, which one he would recommend. So to start off, could you kind of tell us how your IHOP trip, that International Health Outreach trip, how was that experience? And also, where did you go? Yeah, so I did uh, the Mexico trip. And the school had a couple Mexico trips. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was for audiology, and then one was for basically what you can consider just uh, medical patients. Uh, so I did the the normal one just with medical patients. Uh, and so we uh, it was a week-long trip during spring break. Uh, like you said, mm-hmm. uh, we gather up supplies just through donations and whatnot. And we, as a, a big pharmacy team, so... Students from Orlando, Jacks, and Gainesville all went down there uh, with a couple preceptors from uh, College of Pharmacy preceptors. Uh, flew down, brought our supplies. Uh, we flew into uh, the Yucatan Peninsula and uh, we stayed uh, in Merida. Uh, and so that's sort of uh, more of like a urban area. And when we actually did the health outreach trips during the week. Uh, we traveled maybe like three hours or so each time uh, to more sparsely populated, more rural areas, uh, places in uh, away from Merida where people had much less healthcare access. And that's where we sort of set up shop uh, and helped all these people. So it was us working in conjunction with um, students from uh, the UFPA school, um, some people from uh, UF nursing as well. Really? Uh, so. Yeah, yeah. So they, yeah, they were part of the, part of our team uh, that we all came down there with. Uh, and when we got there, we linked up with uh, students from um, the Yucatan uh, Mexican College of Pharmacy, okay. uh, as well as their medical students. So we all combined to make just one big team, mm-hmm. uh, set up shop in, in, you know, the middle of a square or whatnot each time, um, you know, like a, a local part of big, basically the center of the town wherever we went to. Uh, and basically created a um, just a, a quick uh, ambulatory clinic, you could say. Uh, so every day was the medical students with their attendings that they had brought with them uh, and the Mexican medical students as well, uh, seeing patients uh, and assessing them, making recommendations with what little they could. Mm-hmm. And then before each patient leaves, they send them over to us and, you know, we do what little we can with the medications that we brought. And uh, so we have a little pharmacy for them and we just basically kept that system going 
you know, we set up a clinic, set up a pharmacy, patients come in, they get assessed, you know, we give them what scripts they can, and then, you know, we send them off and try and do a little good for them. Got it. And what's interesting is I honestly didn't know that, <clears throat> that it was also University of Florida students from other um, healthcare professions. So that's pretty cool that you get to spend time with other, other healthcare professional students from there and also in Mexico. So I thought it was just a, um, students from Mexico that you got to spend time with. So that's actually pretty, really interesting and super cool. And so you mentioned supplies. Um, how did you go about getting supplies and what kind of su supplies did you bring to Mexico? So, yeah, so it's an interesting question. So we brought uh, over-the-counter items uh, when we were going there um, that we had collected here. And that was, you know, simply for the legality of it. Those were the only things that we could actually fly in there with. Okay. That's um, what I was going to ask because it's different rules there, obviously. It's a different country. So mm -hmm. it's like I know some, some people from America go there to get medications, like prescription-type medications, and come back here. So I didn't know what type of medications you could actually bring over there. So that's why I was wondering. Right. There's, um, there's not quite a, uh, something stopping you from mm -hmm. bringing over prescription medications, but it involves a, a lot more paperwork and it's just not something that we did on the trips. Yeah. So what we did instead was that we gathered all the OTCs over here, which is actually a big part of the things we dispensed. Um, you have to understand that, you know, when we're going there and, uh, and seeing and treating these people, and this is one thing that our preceptors really hammered into us. I mean, you need to um, kind of, you know, measure your expectations into what you can actually do for these people. I mean, you, in a week's time without any labs, uh, without any sort of like advanced equipment, you're not really treating these people for chronic diseases um, and, 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 you know, and, and making huge interventions in their lives and whatnot. I mean, you're just there for a week and, and you're only seeing these people each time for you know, one day. So you really have to well, understand what's up. So it's not, so that person's only coming one day, like they're only registered one day for that whole week and that's it. You don't see them again. That's it. Yeah. We set, we set up that clinic, you know, people form a, a huge line and they come in, they get assessed. Um, we give them what treatment we can and then they're off. And so we just see them one time ever. Uh, so yeah, so you have to, you have to understand, you know, the limits to what we can do in terms of treating certain things. What it was really about was, you know, promoting health awareness. You know, some of these people have such little access to healthcare. Um, I would say a huge majority of them have never seen a healthcare provider in their life. So a lot of it was based around education as opposed to the medicine that we could provide to them or the actual physical healthcare that we could provide to them. So we had that in mind when we were going there, uh, which is why like a big bulk of the medications that we brought were OTCs. Okay. So uh, we were lucky enough to secure basically all of our OTC donations from an independent pharmacist in Orlando and Dr. Alan Deaver. Uh, he's been on the podcast before. Uh, he's one of our great guests on here. Uh, really great guy. And uh, so for two years in a row, he donated all supplies for the Jihad trip to Mexico. So really amazing pharmacist um and you know um you know just uh really went out of his way to keep us supplied um so we're just talking you know a lot of over-the-counter analgesics cough and cold medicines uh benadryl that kind of thing uh just for any little thing that we could treat on the spot any acute ailments those patients had um and then we also took cash donations uh so everyone who was going from each campus set up fundraisers at their campus trying to raise cash and the cash from those donations went into buying prescription medications in Mexico. Uh, so we coordinated with the, uh, the Mexican medical students and the Mexican pharmacy students, and they, brought, they bought prescription meds over there so that we didn't have to travel with them. Uh, and so we put those two, th two things together when we set up basically a, a little mini pharmacy each day when we, when we did our clinic. Now, since so i have a lot of questions so i apologize yeah no go for it go for it so was language an issue with these patients was that a barrier uh so i i wouldn't call it a barrier uh i would say it definitely helps um i was maybe one of i think two people uh on the on the pharmacy end uh of the uh, of the team who didn't speak Spanish, you know, as a, as a second language. So <laughs> I had actually, but I actually went through the personal, um, 
just the the personal trouble of of really trying to uh, to practice and and uh, and work on my Spanish for months in advance. As soon as I knew I was going on the trip, mm-hmm. um, just you know through personal motivation, trying to work on mine so that when I got there, um, I found I could actually do pretty well in terms of uh, speaking to patients and doing counseling and telling them about medications and whatnot. So I just you know uh, personally took the time and effort to try and do that. I would say if you hadn't, we, I mean, we had plenty of, uh, of students from, uh, from Gainesville, from the PA school who just knew next to nothing in terms of Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, but we always had translators around, whether it was the Mexican pharmacy students, the Mexican medical students, um, you know, one of us who had come on the trip who had Spanish as a second language. There was always someone around to translate. You would find some of the, uh, the Mexican nationals uh, understood English. And then, you know, for someone like me, even if you can just kind of string together a sentence, not in the way you would say it in English, mm-hmm. but in a way that at least still works in Spanish, it won't be the way that you want to say it in your head, yeah. but you will still get the right thing across. They'll understand. Of course, you're there to help these people. So okay. they appreciate anything you can do. So it helps. But language was not this this barrier you couldn't overcome. Got it. Okay. And since you said that, you said that they were very receptive to, to like any advice that you guys would give. Yeah. You, um, I mean, so I, the majority of these people had had little to zero healthcare access their entire life. I mean, I'm talking, you know, never have, have been to a doctor, any sort of healthcare assessment that you can think of. So they, yeah, there was a lot of um, health, you know, health literacy missing. And that's why education uh, was one of the biggest things that we could do for them, you know, at least make them aware of something that might be going on with them mm-hmm. or something they need to follow up on or, you know, what they can do to be in better health. Because uh, just seeing a patient one time with, you know, zero technology and no labs and you know nothing behind you, there's only so much you can do with it. So education just becomes a huge part of it. With that, whatever you do identify uh, in that one assessment. And that's powerful too, in my own personal experience on rotations, I see how educating patients really empowers them. And once they feel like they are involved in their healthcare, they start to be more active with actually taking the medications and understanding what's going on in the process. So they'll probably do more regular checkups, at least from what they told me, they said that, you know, they'll follow up, they'll do these things because they feel more involved and they understand more what's going on versus like, oh, that doctor doesn't know what he's talking about or, oh, this, that. Like, hey, now it's a team. We're all involved versus you're just telling me what to do. So that's right. That's- yeah. No, yeah. And yeah, that absolutely sounds right. I feel like over here, it's more of a a, uh, a challenge of motivation for patients, yeah. you know, motivating them to get involved in their healthcare or to work collaboratively with a doctor uh, and talk about things you want to do for your health or how you want to approach it. Uh, over there, it was uh, more of recognition. You know, these people over here, at least, there's um there's more a- access to to healthcare knowledge uh that people can kind of have a general idea about health and wellness uh over there i mean there really isn't uh so it's it's complete awareness rather than motivation because they don't even know what to be motivated about you know they don't know what to be motivated about in terms of you know very basic self care and uh health awareness things uh so it was um yeah it was a patient centered care in that regard but a, a different aspect of it as compared to like you know, what we would see here in the States. Got it. So how many, if you could average, how many would you say um, patients showed up a day? Uh, these, these clinics were huge. Uh, we, we, we went out to towns and, and it, it was announced that we were coming days in advance. Um, so when we showed up, I mean, it, we, we would show up to just uh, a line of people as, as far out as you could, you could possibly see. I remember our our busiest day. We we saw over six hundred people, uh, and and yeah, and so that's that's six hundred people that you know just a this small team of medical students and PA students is interviewing and assessing, and everyone gets sent to the pharmacy when they leave. Uh, so that's six hundred people that our little pharmacy team. I, I think there must have been seven of us. I want to say. Um, creating our own little mini pharmacy each day, you know, someone with a doing a drop off role, someone doing a production role, someone doing a counseling role um, and alternating between those and going back and forth and speaking with the the people on the medical team. 
um, seeing 600 plus people a day. I am. So we're talking, I mean, working, we would get there early in the morning and work, you know, way past, uh, you know, 12 hours, uh, barely eating or drinking or anything, but, you know, just trying our best to help these people. So, I mean, we, uh, when I say we worked, I mean, we worked, you know, out in the hot sun, uh, just, you know, person after person after person, imagine, you know, the busiest pharmacy you've ever been in and just multiply it by 10. That was it. Uh, so yeah, you, uh, it, it is, it still stands out as one of the most meaningful things I've ever done for one of those reasons, because just the degree of people that you help, whether, you know, it's just a little bit of, of healthcare knowledge that you give them, like I was saying, but you know, just the, the degree of people you can at least reach out to. Yeah. And that's incredible. Cause if you look, look at it, if you're there for five days, that's 3000, that's 3000 plus people that you guys have impacted and educate on health and whether or not if they do something about it, maybe, you know, if we're being honest, probably somewhere between 10 to 50% of those people probably actually did something about it. And that's incredible. If you talk about long-term, how that impacts, because of course they have families as well. And that plays a drastic role because now they're probably educating their family members and et cetera, et cetera. So that's a big, big difference. And it should feel very rewarding. Now I'm really upset. I missed out. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to go, but I think, did they, what happened? Oh, the one I already, I already planned a previous trip and I didn't get, um, I didn't get Mexico and I only wanted to do Mexico. I would have got if, if I didn't put that, but I only wanted to do Mexico. Um, yeah. Yeah. At UF, uh, you bring up a good point. You had, you had to apply to go on the trip. You had to apply. Uh, you had to apply. I mean, you had, you have had to have nothing going on on your spring, but you had, you, I mean, you had to dedicate your spring break to this, um, which looking back was not a hard choice at all because number one, I mean, it was very rewarding. And number two was a lot of fun at the same time. I mean, you know, when we weren't in a clinic, we were having, we were having a good time. What were like the clinic hours? I wouldn't say they were set hours. We tried to show up and, and see everyone who came. Uh, And so, I mean, yeah, we, our goal every day was, was to keep working until that last person walked out of there. Um, So it was well into the night uh, each time. Um, So I wouldn't say there was set hours. We knew we'd just show up in the morning and, <clears throat> and keep working mm-hmm. um you know when, once it's over i mean it's all of us in mexico with uh, a bunch of mexican medical students and mexican pharmacy students who you've been working with side by side all day so you have a great relationship with now and you're at the end of a hard working day so you want to go out and have a good time yeah, so <laughs> that was the other side <laughs> that was the other side of it too which which made it just one of the best experiences because you just worked so hard all day and you know you helped your patients and then it's nighttime and now we're like okay now we get to play hard too so <laughs> and you're in the middle of Mexico and you can go out and have a good time so they were just both sides of it on both sides of it were perfect, we're perfect. Uh, that, that's what made it probably the most memorable trip Definitely. I could see that. And was there any age restrictions as far as the patients like pediatrics, you guys weren't allowed to cover or anything, geriatrics, was there any age restrictions? No, we didn't have age restrictions at all. Um, I remember that was actually one of the, uh, the biggest things for us as pharmacy students was remembering our peds dosing. <laughs> I, bet. <laughs> I mean, it's, it seems so simple to me, me now to, you know, your, your common OTC peds dosing off the top of your head. But we, I mean, that I mean, I remember in the first ten minutes uh, on the first clinic day, we were scrambling trying to remember. <laughs> and I remember I was the, uh, you know, we were asking our attending uh, these questions, uh, and I was the only guy who had bought a uh, an international phone plan so that I could look up some uh, some <laughs> of the dosing on you know on my uh, on my on my medical uh, or, or pharmacy apps. So uh, yeah, so no, we, we, we definitely treated kids and that, yeah, that was one of the more challenging things that was, you know, that was my first experience ever. I would say um, first peds experience ever was actually in Mexico, you know, before I actually went on APPEs and, uh, and started getting introduced to that, it, it was there. So that was, um, you know, clinically for me, that was huge in, in terms of like professional growth. Got it. Okay. Yeah, because that was what I was thinking about. And um, even me right now is just Googling. I was like, I feel like it's around 10 for Tylenols. Like, what is it again? Like, makes for cakes. So it's just right. like, right. yeah, just like remembering for Tylenol, um, ibuprofen, you know, like what, what you would do and et cetera, et cetera. So it's, that's important. 
that's important. Yeah, in school, you know, in the classroom, I could, I could probably spit it out at a moment's notice. But when you have like a little baby in front of you, now you're like, oh man, what is it? You're like, you're, 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 exactly. like the pressure's on and now you really start to overthink it. So yeah, it, it was great from a, like a, a clinical experience aspect. Got it. Okay. And then let's see. So with that, um, I do also want to mention we kind of touched on it. There's different trips. So I don't remember all the sites, but like you said, there's multiple in Mexico. There's also um, the one in Haiti. And there was, I think from last year, I think they added like Nicaragua or somewhere else in Central America. Do you know if there's any other ones besides those? Mexico, Haiti? Uh, I want to say there was a Guatemala trip uh, at Guatemala. some point. I don't know if it's still ongoing. Um. Yeah, I know. I know the two Mexico things, are, yeah. are the big ones, and consistent like Mexico audiology and, and the medical one that I went to. Um, those are always going. Mm-hmm. Haiti uh, was was going on for a while, um, and our uh, previous host of the podcast, Greg, had gone on the Haiti trip and absolutely loved it. Um, I remember him just talking endlessly about how life changing it was. So he had a good time there. Um, the last year, I remember them doing it when I was a fourth year, I believe. Um, they had to cancel the trip because at the time there was a, some political unrest over there. So I, I will say, you know, that kind of um, that kind of throws a wrench into it as to whether or not you can go to some of these times and, you know, um, whether, you know, whether any of these trips are ongoing or not. Um, and that's like excluding now with everything going on with the pandemic. Yeah. So, yeah, I never want to guarantee that, you know, there's there's one trip or the other, but those were the ones that, you know, we know are available. Yeah, and that's a great point. So keep in mind, things can change from year to year as far as um, accessibility into the country. So there could be some legalities that are going on, maybe a new uh, president, things legally going on with the government and whatnot. Then also issues with healthcare, pandemic, things like that that can also play a role. So you may not be able to travel. I don't. Obviously, they're not doing it this year, but that's something that uh, going forward, any students listening, definitely kind of keep in mind. And we didn't mention the cost. Do you remember how much it cost for the trip? It's a good question. Um, I want to say it was $500. Yes, uh, that was actually going to be the same figure I was about to say, $500, (laughs) which, which, you know, looking back on it was an absolute steal um, because that that paid for – that paid for – um, our flights there and back, uh, the hotel, uh, as well as a, um, a night stay at a, uh, an all-inclusive resort on our last day. So our last day, um, was an all-inclusive resort, uh, on the beach on the Yucatan Peninsula. Um, just as, you know, sort of like a reward before we flew out. So that 500 covered all of that. Uh, it was all organized by, uh, the, uh, the Gainesville campus, uh, the university, uh, the, uh, the medical school, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we gave the money to them, uh, and they purchased things at a group rate, and you know got back to us with our tickets and reservations and whatnot. Okay. Uh, so they were really responsible for for getting that sort of deal. I can't quite speak to how uh, you know it might work out year to year because I wasn't mm-hmm. sure uh, exactly. For, for my year, it was last year. It was five hundred. I'm pretty sure I saw. When I cool. Was. Good. Yeah. So I, yeah, I'm sure whatever they've been doing, uh, they were able to keep doing. But yeah, I, I would say that in terms of, you know, how, how far you're, you can stretch your money uh, doing one of these trips, that was absolutely worth it. Yeah, the price. I was going to ask, so how much extra did you end up spending? So if someone wanted to do this, would you recommend saving like $1,000 total, 500 for the trip, maybe some extra money if you're going to go out, buy souvenirs? Not even, you know, not even that much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe maybe a few hundred and it really just depends right, on so about 700, 750 maybe. Even less than that, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, e- even less than that. Uh, it, yeah, it'll really depend depend on you. But you know, I would say no more than the amount that you you spent to go, like the five hundred that you spent to go. Maybe it's the same amount in spending money. Um, and it'll really just vary person to person. But you got to think about really the things that we were buying were, um, you know, food and drinks when we went out at night. Um, and then dollars should be stronger than than. Peso, it's pesos in Mexico, right? Pesos, yep, yeah. yeah. And um, if you want to factor that in, mm-hmm. yep. And uh, food and drinks. If if you went out, 
you know, your souvenirs and then just food throughout the day. Um, and you got to remember, we were in these, um, you know, uh, these, you know, a bit impoverished rural areas when we did clinic. So the days we were, you know, way out of town uh, at clinic, I mean, you could, I mean, you, you could have a, you could have a huge lunch for maybe a couple bucks US. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the, there, yeah, the exchange rate is, um, is, is in your favor, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on, I mean, on the days when you're out in the more rural impoverished areas, the, um, the exchange exchange rate is even more so in your favor. Not to say that that's a great thing for them, but I mean, just a dollar US can, you know, get you a ton of, I mean, you know, like a, a decent amount of food. So it, yeah, it, it wasn't expensive in that regard either. Where we were staying, uh, Merida is definitely a tourist area. So the prices there are the prices that you would expect. Maybe it's a little bit favorable for you in terms of the, just because of the exchange rate, but uh, still, you know, the, the same prices that you would expect. Got it. All right, thank you for that. And then, so you talked about a lot of the positives about this trip. Was, is there anything negative about this experience or anything you kind of wish could be changed or maybe improved for the future? Honestly, not much. We, we all came away just really relishing everything about the experience. I mean, it was, it was just so great. I mean, there's little or nothing that I would change. Um, maybe in the future, I would say, um, if you're going on it, just, putting an expectation on yourself to get with your pharmacy team and, and have a plan in place for what you want to do at clinic. I mean, every day we showed up, there are, you know, hundreds of people waiting to be treated and we set up a makeshift retail pharmacy on the fly and, you know, just had duffel bags upon duffel bags worth of medications that we set up on the fly, uh, which took a lot of time and effort. I remember nights, uh, some nights in between clinic, we would just spend preparing medication, you know, putting them in, in unit dose, little baggies and stuff, or organizing them so that we could dispense it readily. Um, and then thinking of how we would want to, dis- after we had a, you know, at least one day of experience with it, thinking of how we would want to design our, our pharmacy the next day to make it efficient and whatnot. So just having a plan in place um, would absolutely change the game for anyone who, who you know, went there. We, we just went there and, and knew generally how we were going to help, but not, you know, we didn't have a plan in place to execute it. So that would, uh, you know, change a lot of the experience for you. I feel like in terms of just ways to improve it overall, I, I mean, there's nothing I can really recommend. I mean, you just have to kind of understand that you're going to be rough in it. And mm-hmm. I don't mean you're going to be, you know, like living or sleeping in, in, you know, tough conditions or not, whatnot. But when you're at, at clinic, I mean, you're going to be working, you're going to be working really hard, but that's the whole point of going on these trips. So you should go, Go there with that in your mind uh, and have that in your mind of I'm going to to really, you know, push myself uh, in the pursuit of of helping a lot of people. Um, You know, I'm not first and foremost isn't for me to go there and and party and and sightsee and whatnot. You know, those patients have to come first. It's a mission trip. Um, Not to say that we didn't have a good time when we were not working. I mean, we had a great time. We had three days in total that were dedicated just to sightseeing and, you know, uh, and just enjoying Mexico. But in between that, it's tough work and uh, you really have to be prepared for that. Okay. And then two more questions and then we'll get into the study abroad. So one, was there any weather issues? I'm not sure what the climate is like during our spring break over there. Uh, It was hot. Uh, (laughs) And if you, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're from Florida, you probably got a, a good bit of an advantage, but I mean, if you like the cold, uh, you're going to be in for disappointment. It's, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's during spring break and UF spring break is actually awkwardly early. You know, US spring March. Break is at, I think it was like the last week of February, actually the year we had it. It was just, okay. yeah, crazy early. US February, spring early March. Break. But, um, I mean, regardless, I, it was, it was hot and humid over there. And I, uh, I am usually very, very comfortable with the heat. I, I don't care at all. But I mean, yeah, we, we, you're sweating all day when you're out there. <laughs> I mean, you, you, your yeah. cl- the clinic is. We set it up in. We set up shop in the shade as best we could find it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, in the middle of the day, and you're out there all day. There's no inside to go to. So, I, so yeah, you're yeah. That's that's what I meant by by roughing it. And you know, yeah. you're working. 
over 12 hours there seeing hundreds of people. So yeah, it's, that's, you know, weather-wise in terms of bad weather, uh, I mean, I, we didn't get rained out or anything like that, but you're going to be in the heat a lot. <laughs> okay. So you got to get used to that. You don't want to end up with an AKI. Or so you better bring some water, bring your water bottle. <laughs> yeah, bring a water bottle, bring your sunscreen, maybe some bug spray. Yeah, yeah, do, yeah, do what you got to do. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, thank you for that. And then, um, oh, my last question was, have you kept in touch with anybody that you met from Mexico on that trip, like the the Mexican students? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say so. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of a funny story. I, I tell people. So, I mean, just, just before we left, it was actually, um, we, we, I mean, we traded contact info with so many of the, the Mexican medical students, the Mexican pharmacy students. I mean, we really get close with them, uh, as you'd expect, you know, when you work with someone for you know 12 plus hours all day, and then you have a small break and then you go out with them at night and then you repeat that times four, <laughs> through yeah. throughout the whole week i mean you basically spend a whole week side by side with these people uh just going through everything you get really close with them um and they were so sad to see us go uh you know one of the last nights uh that we went out with them after clinic was actually the last night was actually a, a party they threw for us at one of their uh their attendings house you know just his own house they they brought us all over and you know we all met up there and had a good time um, so you get really close with them. They all want to add you on Facebook. They all want your phone number. They all want you to come back to Mexico and stay in their homes and just, <laughs> yeah, you know, just amazingly, just amazingly nice people, the nicest people you'll ever meet. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I tell this joke to everybody because I mean, ever, ever since I've come back from Mexico, I mean, you look through my Facebook feed and 50% of it, I kid you not, is now in Spanish and I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand a huge amount of it, you know, because I mean, I've, I've got all the, all the, you know, the, the translation, right understand what's going on. Yeah, I have to translate <laughs> my own Facebook feed, and <laughs> but it's, it's, it's great. Yeah, it's great. So yeah, that's, um, my Facebook feed has been like that for years now. Um, oh, and zero nice. regrets. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that, yeah, you, um, you do remain pretty close with them, I'd say. All right. That's good. And um, I know there's definitely, I probably, I definitely was not exposed as any people as you have, but um, through different experiences where I've met people from other countries in the healthcare and healthcare professions in other countries, like I've been able to keep in touch with like a couple. And I think that's pretty cool because we could always talk about like, for example, COVID, like how, what is, I have a friend in Spain. So just talking to her like, Hey, what is Madrid doing? Like, how is it over there? And same thing with me, checking on me, see how, seeing how, how things are and different things, you know, like how is work life there and, and different things. If you ever thought about doing working internationally or for an international pharmaceutical company, that could be something that, uh, that could pique your interest. So it's nice to have people in these different places. And not only that, but like you said, you could always visit them. And now that makes a, a great summer trip that you could plan and continue to build relationships, continue to network because you never know um, what could happen in the future. Yeah, definitely. Like, like you said, you know, both aspects of it. I mean, now you have all these these great friends in, in other countries who, I mean, if you put in the time and effort and you keep in contact with, I mean, I mean, they're, they stay there for life. Um, and from the professional side of it, uh, yeah, I mean, when we get into the, um, the study abroad trip, I mean, you see, you, you do see a ton of opportunities for, hey, you know, if I really wanted to put my foot forward on this, um, I could totally have an opportunity to do something uh, internationally if I wanted to you know, really be ambitious and, and, and do something like that. I mean, there are certainly avenues for it. Uh, it's just, you have to have the motivation to pursue it, but you could see, you know, what was available when you were there. Okay. So I'll ask you that question. We'll table it for now. So I'll ask you later. Um, if you see yourself working outside of America in a different country in pharmacy, but we'll table that for now. We'll go into the study abroad, abroad program. So which um, where did you go and how was that experience and how long were you there for? Mm -hmm. So, uh, I went on farm scan, uh, short for farm Scandinavia. So that was uh, a multi-country trip, uh, where we started in Norway and, uh, went to Sweden, uh, then Denmark, uh, then Finland with a stop in Estonia. So, uh, it was quite a few countries, uh, over two weeks. Uh, so you're hopping between all these places, meeting all these people. 
Uh, so definitely one, you know, one of the more interesting trips that they have. And, you know, one of the ones very, very open for, for sightseeing and whatnot. Uh, I, you know, the, the main difference is that this isn't a mission trip. You're not there to do anything clinical per se uh, mm-hmm. or see patients or anything, but you are there to learn. Uh, so I, the theme of it really is just, you know, understanding um, pharmacy practice in other countries. Mm-hmm. So basically what we would do <clears throat> is uh, we had a, a huge itinerary set up uh, by the school already from you know things they've done in trips past. Um, so the school already had, you know, plans for us throughout the day, you know, each day in each different country, you know, so we would go to Norway and we knew we would, you know, wake up uh, the next day and go to their school of pharmacy and meet with, you know, this professor. And then we would all go together to maybe a pharmacy museum uh, in another country. We might meet some executives from pharmaceutical manufacturing company over there. Uh, there was another country in which we visited a hospital. Uh, there was another place where we, in you know, in, in Estonia, we visited one of their retail pharmacies. Uh, you know, we talked with people from academia. We got to know pharmacy students. So basically, just getting the all-inclusive introduction into what pharmacy is like, pharmacy in general, in all these other countries. Uh, and then uh, I remember us talking about, uh, you know speaking about, you know, what did I, what did we bring for them mm-hmm. going on? Because in Mexico, you know, we brought the healthcare. Yeah. Um, like you said, it's that, a mission trip. So it's like, was there any supplies you needed for this one? What was yeah, it? I, just your clothes. And, and then the, the, uh, uh, as part of the trip, UF asked <laughs> you to prepare a presentation. Really? Yeah. So all of us prepared presentations, very simple presentations, just a few slides. Uh, yeah. Mine was maybe like 15 minutes. Um, on some aspect of pharmacy practice in the U.S., just so that everywhere we went, we could give back to these people. So when we went to the their, you know, the Norwegian College of Pharmacy, or when we met with some of these pharmaceutical executives in these countries, um, they would tell us about how they do things, and we'd be like, okay, we have this presentation we want to show you now about how things work in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was really cool to just compare and contrast, you know, the different ways that practice is done. Um, and it just, you know, re- led to some really interesting conversations about, you know, hey, you know, that'd be a great idea in our country or it should be great for you guys. And I mean, you, you would be shocked as to all the things that, you know, we saw them doing in, doing in, in Western Europe and Scandinavia where we were like, why do we not do that here? Mm-hmm. Or, or the amount of times where we all collectively were just were just like, wow, our pharmacy here is actually much more behind compared to you guys. You, know, you, yeah. you would never think, you know, you think just kind of being a uh, number you know, one and practice. That's, that's how Americans think. We think we're number one. We're the best. Yeah. Yeah. You think we're, yeah. And you, I guess you <laughs> have that American sentiment that you shouldn't have. And you, yeah. you just think we're at the top of our game, but I mean, I can't tell you the amount of technology I, I saw over there that I, I hadn't seen here before, or just mm-hmm. the, just the, the processes and the ways of doing things that, that would be so much better over here. Yeah. I can imagine. And that's something that, that, I love comparisons, not to see who's better at something, but to see how you can improve something. Which you weren't thinking of, yeah. So to see like what, okay, we're lacking here that they're doing, and that seems super effective. We should incorporate that into our country or our business here and vice versa. So that's super cool that you guys um, were made a presentation and also got to spend time learning about how they do things as well. So with this experience, um, if you had to choose one between this and the IHOT, which one would you choose? You know, I would, uh, I would still choose IHOT. I would still go on the Mexico trip. Um, and I feel like a lot of it comes down to my personality too. Uh, just about, you know, having you know, more of that clinical mindset, um, and just, you know, really wanting to help people. I feel like the, the fun aspect of it, um, was just boosted more so, uh, in Mexico, but, but due to the fact that, you know, when we went out at night, we had such a great time because we just felt like so much like we deserved it because we were working all day, you know? <laughs> and not only were you working all day, you were working side by side all day with these, you know, these Mexican nationals that you then go out with at night. So the, um, we, we made a ton of friends in Scandinavia, you know, people I, I still talk to uh, now and again, but um, you, you just develop those closer bonds in Mexico because you were seeing them every day. You weren't, you know, hopping countries and, and whatnot in Scandinavia. Scandinavia, you got to see a lot more, do a lot more, uh, because, you know, outside of those 
those structured things that that UF had um, had laid out for us, it would you, know, you had sightseeing time all the time laid you know um, built into your schedule. I mean, there were days when you know we would finish our our scholarly activities by by maybe noon, and the rest of the day is you know completely yours. You know to go out in the middle of Sweden and do whatever you want. Uh, so you know it was it was just as much a a sightseeing you know vacation. Uh, as it was uh, a scholarly thing, um, so it, it had aspects of both. Um, but Mexico had this, you know, this just perfect combination of working really hard, uh, meeting patients, uh, doing clinical activities, and then having these super close relationships uh, with the people living in this other country, uh, and then going out and getting to enjoy that and foster that at the same time. Mm-hmm. And would you, I forgot to ask this, how expensive was that trip, the study abroad one? You know, it's, it's slipping me now, the actual price point, And I, maybe it's because I just want to forget about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a good sign that it's expensive. <clears throat> yeah, but no, these are uh, price, price could definitely be a limitation to people. It usually, I mean, it was, it was for people every year. Um, yeah. You know, so, I want to so, say, but this was Japan, I believe. Um, Because they added Japan and Australia, I believe, last year. So let me, I have the UF website pulled up. So I'll go ahead and read off the different study abroad programs. So there's Scandinavia, like Jeff said, Germany, Ireland, the UK, Italy, and Malta. And I believe they added Australia and Japan last year. Nice. I think they're also trying to add in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. So wide variety of countries, and they're not all just in... Europe. So now we also have Asia. And um, I be- I want to say the Japan trip because I was interested in that one, but I think it was in like 2000 or more. Like I'm pretty sure it was like greater than $2,000. So I- it was kind of pricey. Yep. Yeah. Um, and uh, I remember the year that, um, you know, we-, we were booking this trip, you know, some of the trips were in question as to whether they would happen or not, mm-hmm. just because they-, they may or may not have enough people signed up again, because of the expense, you know, mm-hmm. if just not, not enough people were going to make the trip actually happen. So, um, so yeah, def- prices, you know, could definitely be um, a sticking point for a lot of people. I, I mean, I remember that, you know, we, we had to purchase all of our own flights. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the uh, hotels um, were, I believe, recovered for us, if I remember correctly. Um, so they, they booked a, organize the hotels for us and, and book those for us. We, so we didn't have a problem with that. Um, the, the meals were, were basically all on us. Mm-hmm. Um, except for, I think one group meal that we could have all together, um, in each city. Uh, so we at least had that, you know, each city that we went to. So we picked something nice to go to each time. Um, I think some mm-hmm. of the transport, you know, for doing these clinical, these scholarly activities throughout the day, like going to the college of pharmacy or visiting this museum, uh, and whatnot, those were covered by the school for us, um, you know, because it was part of the structured activities that they had laid out for us. Um, but it, yeah, and it, I mean, everything else, uh, yeah, those, expenses are, you know, those expenses are on you. And, mm-hmm. you know, for somewhere like um, Scandinavia or the UK, you have to think the exchange rate is definitely not in your favor this time. Mm-hmm. The exchange rate is actually against you. So you have to keep that in mind that, yeah, we brought a good amount of money there, but um. I mean, I, I remember it was the, one of the first culture shocks we had was um, getting into Norway in the middle of the night um, and, you know, just dead tired from the long flight. And, you know, we were just, we were just like, okay, we just want to grab some junk food and go straight to bed. And we walked off to a Wendy's and I, I went there to get just a normal chicken sandwich and it was like 12 bucks. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I see what's going to happen when I get back to the States. Uh, yeah. 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 And so, it, being a traveler, uh, you'll notice that. And yeah. not only that, it'll also taste different. So sometimes it's a good different, um, depending on which country you're in. And sometimes it's a bad different when you order a dish yeah. that you're familiar with from the States. So yeah. just keep yeah. that in mind. If, if yeah. You yeah. Always remember your exchange rates. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And okay, so you said that you would pick the more because of your personality and probably also career goals. But if somebody was interested in industry, would you say that'd be maybe 
more career beneficial to do the study abroad trip? I would say so, um, because they were built in activities with industry officials. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, those presentations I talked about, I mean, they were very basic things about, you know, how hospital practice works um, in the in the States or, or a little bit about pharmacy law or, or something. But they were they were so invested in what we had to say to them. I mean, they were they were just so hooked about about all the little nuances that, you know, about how pharmacy works in America that, you know, doesn't happen for them. Um, and you have to think I, clinical pharmacy um, is is probably the the most advanced in America as compared to anywhere else. So, you know, whenever we start to talk and, and research, um, you could, I mean, I, I don't have to talk about, you know, all the clinical trials that we do in the States and, you know, the state of research in the States. So, you know, it, it was ironic actually, when I was there, I was the only one of, one of the couple people on the trip um, who had done research, um, graduate research at the College of Pharmacy, our, our school of, uh, our College of uh, Pharmacometrics in Orlando. Um, and I had um, just had my first publication out and um, I was like a superhero to all of them <laughs> because uh, because pharmacy practice in Western Europe, we found out, is really heavily based around research. And research is a big thing for them. So is industry. There, you know, there's a lot of industry there. There's a lot of research in pharmacy school for them in general. Uh, we learned this on the trip is structured a lot more around those things about uh, industry research, uh, you know, things things we don't do here at all. Um, you know, like botany, <laughs> you know, like, uh, you know, um, <clears throat> herbal medicine uh, and whatnot, you know, things that we just kind of glaze over over here. I mean, they have to be able to identify plants in their curriculum uh, and do certain things. They have to be able to, you know, complete a, a organic chemistry experience uh, experiments as part of their curriculum. So, yeah, their curriculum is definitely leaning more towards the industry side of things. So when I went there and I was one of the couple people who had a little bit of that experience, they loved me. Um, the executives, you know, loved hearing about that sort of thing when we gave these, you know, these little simple presentations. So yeah, if you were of the mindset that, you know, I want to go there and learn about this and maybe, you know, brainstorm about, you know, what could be, you know, enticing for me career-wise over here, that, uh, that's definitely a possibility. Yeah. And that's, that actually doesn't shock me. Um, I think maybe to listeners, I would shock them that they're very heavily invested in West and in, in Western Europe, that they're heavily invested in research. Because I know a couple of people that have actually left the States to do research. We both know um, someone who came from there and was had a research background. And not only that, but they there is a lot of pharmaceutical companies, a lot of big names that have been founded over there. So and, you know, with a lot of that comes research. That's how they come up with the drugs. So it's like that doesn't yeah. shock me. So if you actually think about it, that's actually not surprising. But and it makes sense that they would incorporate that into more of their um, programs, into their student programs and at the colleges. So that actually makes sense when you think about it. it yeah, it, uh, it definitely does. You And especially when they start telling you about kind of the job prospects uh, that those college of pharmacy students that we met in, in Scandinavia were mm-hmm. kind of looking towards. Yeah. A, a lot of it was research-based. Uh, so understandably, you know, they, they just kind of teach them to fit the market. Got it. Okay. And, and that makes sense. Okay. So more research, more industry related. It doesn't mean you can't go if you're not into that, but um, if you have a career interested in that and you're short on money and you can only afford one um, and you want to do it for career reasons, that could be possibly more beneficial. Okay. And yep. then yeah. and we saw all sides of it too, when we were there. I mean, we, we had uh, days at a, f- a few different retail pharmacies when we went there to kind of see how they operate as compared to here. We went to uh, more than one hospital over there to see what clinical pharmacy is like over there. So it's not to say that, you know, you don't get those experiences too, but this was just, just sort of the more paramount thing, uh, in you know, in their side of the world, uh, was industry and research. They, it had a lot more meaning to them than you would think. Is there uh, anything that you walked away from over there that you can remember that you kind of wish we would apply here? I remember. I remember all of us being blown away um, just at a, a one of the more well-known retail pharmacies that they had in Denmark. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was independently owned and operated. And um, just the scale of technology they have um, and how they leveraged it with uh, universal health care that they have there. So just, I mean, just so thinking wait, about. 
I was going to ask, is it as far as like, do they have maybe a system where they could get in lab values and stuff like that in order to kind of practice at like the top of their license and be able to handle chronic disease states as well? Is that what you're talking sort about? Sort of along that, sort of along that avenue. So, um, uh, because there's, there's universal healthcare, every, everyone has, um, I guess a, a pin number similar to, you know, a uh, social security number over here. Okay. Um, so, you know, giving someone a prescription over there isn't like, you know, writing it down on a piece of paper and they have to take it someone, take it somewhere. You submit a prescription electronically for them, uh, but not to any sort of pharmacy. You kind of assign it to them under like their, their pin number. Uh, and so that's electronic and then they can go to whatever pharmacy they want. Uh, those pharmacies have access to, you know, the universal healthcare database. Yeah. They pull in the prescription. Um, so there's, there's no intermediary here with third parties and adjudication and prior offs, all the, all the stuff we have to put up with in the States. That's all taken care of already. They already have the prescription. Um, so it's electronically processed. Uh, this pharmacy had, um, robots, that were doing production for them. So one interesting thing over there is that even their retail prescriptions are unit dosed. So if they're getting in, you know, if they're if they're getting in, you know, um, some Simvastatin at a retail pharmacy, it's not these bulk bottles of uh, uh, of you know hundreds and whatnot or nineties that we use here in the states. It's just a little pack of thirty that you can just boom dispense out to anyone right on the spot. Um, and so they combine that with a pharmacy dispensing robot that will interpret the prescription, pick up the right unit dose box, fill it, and it literally just comes down a chute uh, at the front of the pharmacy. It's ready in just a few minutes from the moment they pull in your prescription electronically. And then the, the pharmacist at the counter, they're just counseling. They're just, you know, they're doing, you know, what every retail pharmacist wishes that they could do. Uh, all day long is just counsel, you know, give real health care and real advice. And they, they, they've eliminated all the, uh, you know, all the extra work, essentially everything to do with insurance, everything to do with production. It's all gone. They're literally just there. Those retail pharmacists are there just engaged in clinical activities. And the rest is automated through universal health care and these really high tech machines they have on in the background. Those prescriptions just come out of a chute. He grabs it, starts counseling you. Uh, and they have a cashier to ring you up. And, you know, the, so the pharmacist is, is right there in the middle doing clinical work all day. That is where I hope retail pharmacy goes. We, yeah, it, you know, wouldn't it, <laughs> wouldn't it be great? <laughs> and yeah. We will have an episode eventually talking to one of our professors at the University of Florida College of Pharmacy named Dr. Pulo um, about community, but especially with Amazon coming in, and seeing how that will play, I think one way community could really strive to stand tall would be if they could get access to like lab values and different things and almost kind of turn retail into an Amcare clinic and then have Amcare pharmacists working at retail pharmacies, you know, and, and helping out with that. Whether it's within the pharmacy, you have a separate clinic, you know, for the Amcare pharmacist to kind of really go over counseling or whatnot, or if it's the retail pharmacist that really focuses on counseling, because that is uh, one of the, you know, the major reasons when it comes to asthma, a lot of chronic disease states, they don't know proper management of their diabetes, their asthma medications, their dyslipidemia. If we could have, you know, our retail pharmacists who you're going to all the time, you know, yep. probably more than your doctor, maybe to actually see your lab values and make and use their clinical knowledge to make adjustments, you know, um, nothing crazy, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, you know, some, some adjustments that are understandable whether, you know, maybe increasing your statin or switching to a high intensity versus a moderate one. Um, since you mentioned Simvastatin, you know, making right. some changes like those, that, that could go a long way to helping retail pharmacy and community pharmacy standing tall um, now that Amazon is trying to take over the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you, and you know, it's not to say that we don't have the health information technology here. I'm, yeah. I'm sure we have all that technology here. It's just, it's not so well streamlined yeah. as it's over there for all the, all that stuff to work together. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was one of the things I mentioned when you, you don't, you just, you're still America centric over here and you're thinking, yeah. oh, you know, we just, we're the best, we do it the best. And then you never think, oh, Denmark has blown us out the water or something. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you go there and you just see a new way of doing things and you're like, wow, why aren't we doing this? And that makes me wonder, um, not that I expect you to know the answer to this, but 
a couple of things that I would think, like if I were there, I would want to know maybe it, one of the reasons could be they don't have as much of a diverse patient population as us. So where they can feel super comfortable with those unit dose um, medication that they're just dispensing easily. Like we know our patient population, it's not as massive as America, obviously, but also genetic wise and the type of patients they have are probably more, are not as diverse. So they're able to be more specific with the meds that are going to be their fast movers and everything like that. And not have to worry about genetic testing, not have to worry about, um, you know, if, if it's a black with an ACE inhibitor and ARB, like angioedema and stuff like that, where it's more common in those patient populations. So I wonder if that's one of the, one of the reasons that that's streamlined. And also the big deal with us, obviously, everybody knows health insurance. So I yep. wonder because it's universal over there, if that's why it's so easy to just streamline that process and maybe why it's, you know, it's a bit more challenging for us. I'm not too well, like, well versed in all of that aspect of, um, of America, like with our issues here with like health insurance and how that plays a role with hospitals and community correlation. But yeah, I mean, for the, I mean, for the first part of it in terms of, you know, you know, genetic diversity and, and how that impacts pharmacogenomics, I, can't really speak to it. I, I, you know, obviously in the States here, we're obviously going to get, you know, the possibility of encountering any clinical situation from anywhere just because of, you know, the melting pot that the States is. Um, so it, it's hard to say in terms of the second thing though, I mean, whatever your stance is on, on what um, healthcare is like here in America, you, it's um, you're always going to be of the agreement that it's, it adds a, a realm of complication yeah. when you're a healthcare provider getting things covered for people or mm -hmm. navigating through uh, third parties and whatnot, uh, regardless of whether you think it's good or bad, it is objectively always an extra step, um, yeah. an extra part of the job, a more, uh, you know, just a more complicated part of the job. And over there, it's just, it's simply something that doesn't exist. Um, there's healthcare, but it's, you know, there's the hurdles aren't there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> not individuals so it's different hurdles that they have to face than we do so that's something um that's interesting and we'll see if that ever changes in america i don't think it will but you know you always hear people talk about it um you know should we have it should we not but that's you know that's for the future but thank you so much for sharing that that's super cool to know that they're doing that in denmark so i know if i ever want to open up my own pharmacy i gotta travel there learn all the the tips Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, we could have, we could have talked about that forever with those pharmacists. Yeah. I mean, we were pretty jealous ourselves. All right. So, um, oh, so for my last question, the question I said, we'll table. So do you see yourself ever working outside um, globally in any capacity, whether it's maybe, um, maybe mission work, if it's mission work, you know, maybe you're doing it for free or as a career working outside in pharmacy, outside of America in pharmacy? I would say personal, personally, because uh, my career path is oriented towards clinical pharmacy. I, I always see myself staying in the States, just okay. kind of going back to what I was saying earlier that our, the future of pharmacy here is, is just getting more clinical by the day. They're just, you know, it's, there's a push all the time, especially at the University of Florida, which I'm sure you already know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we constantly have a push to, you know, sharpen, um, the clinical mindset of pharmacists here, which is a great thing. It's absolutely a great thing. And, you know, make them a bigger part of an institutional healthcare team. Uh, so, yeah. So when we compare that to how practice was over there in general, uh, I would objectively say that <clears throat> pharmacy here was, was a lot farther along in that regard. I mean, they, it, it was, it was a strange, con it was a very surprising concept uh, for them to hear over there you know, about pharmacists making the big interventions uh, that we do, um, sometimes, you know, leading the show on a clinical team uh, in some states, not Florida, but administering medications, giving, you know, here we're giving vaccines and stuff, um, you know, that was big for them uh, in some of the Scandinavian countries. So yeah, clinical pharmacy, um, you know, definitely has a leg up over here, I would say. And so I would always stick here for that reason. If I was, you know, research minded or industry minded, I would, and I, I had a, a desire for international practice, I would definitely keep that um, in my mind, especially considering, you know, that a PhD earned in the States um, is really powerful anywhere um, that you might want to go, particularly in, in Western Europe and those kind of places. I mean, it's, it's still very valid when you go there and it, uh, it speaks a lot. So 
I think it really depends uh, on your, your personal outlook. As far as mission trips go, um, you know, because I was saying I loved it because it was, it was clinically oriented, that is absolutely something I would, I would, um, I would do again in a heartbeat. You know, unfortunately, when you, you're out of school, now it becomes a matter of getting time off and, and organizing all of that yourself and finding the avenues you kind of take for granted, even though you're working so hard in school that there's still all these things, you know, set up for you. You know, there's there's a, a trip with a whole itinerary and, and you know, all these cities and all, all these plans laid out for you. All you got to do is give them 500 bucks and go. Um, it's, it's a lot different when you're when you're grown up now, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and you're and you seek out those things yourself um but but yeah i i wouldn't even have a second thought about doing that something like that again yeah and i wonder if um i don't know if you looked into it but that's something i mean i never experienced it but and i'm sure the cost would change but you know maybe reaching out to the people that orchestrate that be like hey i would still like to come and help out or even donate supplies you know um in any way or donate cash if i can't make it um, that's something I could definitely see myself doing in the future, but I would like to go cause I never got a chance to experience that. Um, while I was in school. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, you, um, yeah, the, the donation thing is, is definitely uh, a good idea. Um, they could, I mean, they'll always take any amount of money you're, you're willing to offer. Um, and you can keep in mind that, you know, after you graduate and you have some, some practice experience, I mean, you could go on one of those trips as a preceptor. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> which they, they desperately need a lot of the time. So um, that would be something to keep in mind as well. As long as you have your connections. You go with the preceptor and it'll be cool. Um, you get to keep in contact with what they're learning in school. Maybe there's something new that's going on that you didn't realize and, you know, they could teach you something the students could. And, you know, I'm sure that they love to pick your brain in whatever career profession that you're in or I'm in or anybody that's listening. If you want to give back, I think that's a great way to give back to UF. And Correct. Yeah, agreed. Rewarding for yourself as well. And so with that being said, it sounds like you had an awesome time. I'm jealous I was not able to do the IHOP trip. I really did want to do that one. Um, but hopefully anybody listening, they bring it back, hopefully in um, 2022. Uh, hopefully they bring that back and you guys can experience that. And if not, you know, maybe think about doing it in the future. Maybe try to help out, as Jeff said, as a preceptor. That's something that you could try to think about or just donate money in the future if you're working as a pharmacist to, in order to give back and help um, others in the time of need. And with that, do you recall if any of those trips, this just came into my, med, my mind, if any of those, since you said preceptor, if any of those trips counted as credit or as an elective or anything like that? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, it did. The, the uh, Jihad trip counted as credit i believe i believe both of them counted as credit okay. for from what i remember yeah that's that's also um, a possibility to get some elective credit um don't quote us on it but also yeah. a possibility to get some elective credit and then maybe you'll have a longer winter break or a um longer winter break or if you use it for the spring semester you'll have a longer summer yeah that's that's yeah that's a great question and as i remember they both counted as credit uh, and for that reason, some of the people who went on the trip were able, yeah, to, like you said, have a longer winter break because they could then, you know, um, pass on one of the, you know, the winter elective or whatever other elective they, they were choosing. Okay. Okay. And then also just keep in mind that uh, the IHOP trip is well known to always be every spring break, but with the study abroad, that's going to be sometime during the summer. So that could also impact maybe your plans for your your hippie um, or kippy, whatever you're applying for, whatever you have to do that summer, or maybe a summer research internship. So that's something to always keep in mind and kind of weigh the positives and negatives with that. But um, as always, if anybody has any questions, please feel free to reach out to us. We're on all the major platforms, uh, Facebook, Capsule Production Podcast, Instagram at Capsule Production. Um, definitely feel free to reach out to me personally on LinkedIn. Also, feel free to reach out to Jeff if you have any questions on this, on his experience with the IHOT or on the uh, study abroad trip. Definitely feel free to get out to reach out to him. And if he doesn't respond promptly enough, because he's a very busy man, (laughs) he's a grown up, he's a pharmacist, guys. So he's a busy man. So if he doesn't get back to you promptly, uh, just annoy me with a bunch of emails or, or, or messages on LinkedIn, whatever the case may be, or on Facebook. And, um, I'll make sure to get in contact with him 
and so that way he can respond to you. So with that being said, once again, uh, just because this was brought up to me before, yes, we're everywhere, guys. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts. You can go to the podcast app, search Capsule Production Podcast, and go ahead and subscribe. Download our download our podcast. Um, so you can just, you know, tune in weekly. You don't have to keep going in to see if we drop something. It'll just drop automatically. And also leave a comment, you know, if you're enjoying it. And even if you're not enjoying it, and if you hate us, please leave a comment. <laughs> you know, we're, we're receptive to criticism here. <laughs> we are. So anything, um, if you're going to leave a mean comment, at least give us something to improve on, please. <laughs> that's, that's what it's all about, is trying to keep creating new content and better content for everybody to listen to. And also on Spotify. We're also on Spotify. So if you're not an Apple user, you don't like the Apple Podcast app, please, please, please go on Spotify. You can go ahead and subscribe to us. We're on there as well. Um, everywhere except for Google Play. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, you can find us everywhere. So with that being said, that's all that I have for you. Jeff, is there anything you want to ask me? Or No, just a big thank you. You know, thankful, thankful for everyone at the Capsule Production Podcast team. Um, you know, just proud of you guys for keeping it going and just glad to be here as always. Always a pleasure. Oh man, thank you so much. Um you're a legend, so you're always welcome back anytime. Even sure. if you talk about, if you just, oh, I feel like potting today, just, you know. <laughs> we'll just set it up, man. We'll just set it up. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you.